Villas Grace Church, building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know Him, to grow in Him, to go with Him. So let's pray. Dear Father in Heaven, Lord, just thank You for uh, this day where we could come and celebrate You. Uh, Lord, it's Sunday, and uh, we like to have church on Sunday. Uh, but it's such a it's an extra bonus that we celebrate the the of you coming to become flesh to become a human lord and to eventually to die for our sin but it's right now just to help us to clear all that holiday stuff out of our minds and just enjoy your word as we worship in your hearing of your word in Jesus name amen many of you might recognize this as a you know depiction of the nativity Notice there's no wise men there because they weren't there. I had to search for that one because it was biblically accurate, and I would have gotten in trouble from uh, these guys in here. Anyways, there, a while back, there was an evangelical pastor who started to pick apart some of the major doctrines of uh, Christianity. He focused on things like the virgin birth, and uh, he kind of was were taking these things, and he's like, if these things weren't true, um, would it hurt Christianity in, in total? Like, if the virgin birth wasn't absolutely 100% true, would Christianity then fall? He, uh, he wrote a couple books. He was a, is, is a Pastor Rob Bell. I say pastor, you know, like that. But uh, Pastor Rob Bell, he was also an author and this is what he writes in one of his books about considering the virgin birth. He says, what if tomorrow someone digs up definitive proof that Jesus has a real earthly biological father named Larry? And archaeologists find Larry's tomb and do uh, DNA samples and prove beyond 100% shadow of a doubt that the virgin birth was really just a bit of myth- mythologizing the gospel writers threw in there to appeal to the followers of Mithra and the Dionysian religious cults of that time. They were hugely popular at the time of Jesus, and they had gods who had virgin births. Well, first of all, if he really researched it, Mithra, if you look him up, he was a god that was born of a rock. I guess you could call that a virgin birth. Uh, the Dionysian religious cults, uh, somehow there was a, a lady that was... Uh, hit by a lightning bolt from Zeus, and she became pregnant and gave birth to that god. So not really the depiction that many want us to believe that we borrowed that, or Christianity borrowed those, the, the virgin birth from other religions. But then he goes on to say something really strange in his book. He says, I affirm the historic Christian faith, which includes the virgin birth, the Trinity, and the inspiration of the Bible, and much more. But which is weird, he says he affirms it, but if the whole faith falls apart when we re-examine and rethink one spring, then it wasn't really that strong in the first place, was it? So this pastor, who was not very accurate at revisiting uh, ancient pagan religions, begins to ask the question, what if not everything we read in Scripture is true? Because he believes the Bible, kind of, sort of. Church, I could promise you this morning that the writers of the Bible didn't just throw stuff in. How do we know that? By this simple point, either the Bible is the inspired word of God or it's not. 
If we start to think that, oh, maybe these uh, biblical writers just borrowed things so that they could throw them in so they can entice other people, then what else did they throw in? What else can we trust? Also, some of these myths may have predated Christianity. However, they did not predate the Old Testament, which we see prophecy about the virgin birth in Genesis 3.15 and Isaiah 7.14. The big issue with this whole thing, and it, it was probably about 15 or 20 years ago, was uh, Bell was majorly popular, and he started to kind of get a lot of people on board with this idea that we could just pick and choose the things that we believe about the Bible to be true and maybe other things that are hard to explain. We'll just, we'll, we'll kind of explain them away. Fortunately, many pastors uh, came up and, and spoke out against this nonsensical heresy. My answer to you this morning is unequivocally yes. The virgin birth is so important it must be true in order for Christianity to be true. We can't just give that up because somehow in our minds, it's, as humans, it's hard to explain. If the virgin birth is not true, Christianity isn't true. If, uh, and it was mentioned this morning a couple of times. If Jesus had been born of two sinful human beings, he would have been born into Christianity. He, or into, uh, he, he would have been born into a sinful world, and he would have been sinful. So if he's born into a sinful world, he, that means that Christianity couldn't be true because he could not have been our sinless um, once and for all sacrifice, which we'll get into a little bit uh, later. But that is exactly this morning why the title of our sermon is The Virgin Birth. The Virgin Birth, again, it seems like a kind of a weird thing to laser focus in on a Christmas morning, um, but it is so important. It cannot be overlooked because if we're to have a proper view of who Jesus is, the way that he came to us is pretty important to start, right? If we're to have a proper view of who he is and why he came and what he did for us, we need to start here. Let's get into our text this morning. Uh, we'll be in Luke uh, chapter 1, 26 through 38. And just follow along on the screen or read in your Bibles as I read this. This is uh, when the the angel uh, Gabriel came and, and, and uh, revealed himself to Mary, and you, you kind of remember that story. Let's go through this. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. 
And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. If we were to take these uh, sentences this morning, these verses, and, and boil them down into one main idea, we would get this. Because God is faithful and Mary was obedient, our God became flesh. Because God is faithful, he's always faithful, always has a plan. And because Mary was obedient, our God became flesh. This was always his plan from the beginning to redeem us lost sinners. And he was able to use Mary's obedience to fulfill that purpose. Let's break some of these verses down to see why that's true. Let's go back up to verse 28, 29, and 30. And he came to her, the angel Gabriel. Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. So as it says there, the angel came down, uh, God's messenger, and he has some great news for Mary. But just like most other biblical accounts, an angel shows up and the people kind of freak out a little bit because you don't know what you're getting from the uh, messenger uh, angel from God. So she was extremely concerned. Okay, well, what kind of greeting is this? I'm the favored one. As it says in verse 28, O favored one, the Lord is with you. So why was Mary favored? Well, in God's infinite wisdom and in foreknowledge, he knew Mary was the one. She feared God and she was living her life according to the way God designed her life. She was betrothed to Joseph and was living a life of purity, saving herself for her husband. Now, this doesn't mean Mary was completely sinless. That's not what I'm saying. She was human like us. But in her obedience and being living pure in that manner is what God needed to make her the vessel to bring Jesus to us. So the angel proclaimed to her, basically, relaxed, you are the favored one of God. He says in verse 30, do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God. And in, in those remaining verses um, that we're going to kind of skip over, but it, it's wor definitely worth mentioning, then he, tries, he, he basically explains to her, now you're going to give birth to the Messiah, you know, the throne of David, the house of Jacob, no big deal. You know, gives her, gives her the address of who the Messiah was. Oh, and by the way, uh, his kingdom will be forever and have no end. He is the Messiah. You're going to give birth to him. What an honor. Then Mary has a very important question for him, for the angel, which just kind of reminded me of my wife. You know, you tell him something awesome like, hey, guess what? This is going to be happening. It's this great event. And they're like, well, wait a minute. I got one question because this doesn't make sense. Verse 34, and Mary said, how will this be? How am I going to give birth to a child? I'm a virgin. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, 
the Son of God. Now that word holy there means blameless, pure, absolutely pure. And there's a, there's, a, there's a real good reason why that is there. Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. This is the sixth month with her who was called, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And if you know the story about Elizabeth, she was pregnant with John, who would be the forerunner for Christ, who would be the one proclaiming the coming of the Messiah. It's of the most importance this morning that we read this, though. This is so important that Mary brings this point up. How am I going to give birth to a child if I'm a virgin? She was already betrothed to Joseph, and they were in a kind of a courting-style relationship. This would have been a huge controversy for her and Joseph to deal with. I mean, if your fiancé shows up and she's with child and the the the, the fiancé-to-be has no idea how that happened, there, there could be some problems there, so to speak. But the importance is that while Mary was a sinner like the rest of us, she was pure in that sense. So as it says there in verse 35, there in Mary's womb, Jesus was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is really important because this shows the divinity of, of Jesus coming through the power of the Holy Spirit, but he got his physical body and DNA from Mary. This is extremely important because, as Mike mentioned this morning, Jesus had to be fully God and fully man. He had to be fully man because he had to be one of us in order to die and pay for our sins. But he had to be fully God so that he would be pure and live a sinless life. But he got his DNA from Mary. He knew what it was like to be human. He knew what it was like to be hungry. He, he knew what it was like to suffer loss as a human. He knew what it was like to be one of us. That is God coming in the flesh. And it also fulfills what was written in Genesis 3.15. If you go back there and read, it was uh, God uh, basically doling out the curse on mankind after the fall. And it was telling um, Eve that, and, and, and Satan, here, through the seed of the woman and, and through your offspring, Satan, you'll be at enemies, and you shall strike his heel, and he shall bruise your head. Now, originally, those, that verse was talking about Eve, but it was also pointing to the only other time in human history when a human was born without the seed of a man born of the one that would one day be promised to bruise the head of the serpent, Satan. And we also see John 1.14 as, as, as God becoming flesh and dwelling among us. It brings us to our first point this morning. In order for us to receive the gift of our Savior that we're celebrating this morning, the virgin birth must be true. There's so much that goes into that. If we're really going to receive our Savior, it had to be this way. This was prophesied about and was the plan from the very beginning to redeem mankind. It also took Mary living in obedience to God to be the pure vessel for the Lord. If she was not that pure vessel in that sense, God could not have used her. 
It doesn't matter what some knucklehead pastor or some other guy that writes a book and starts bringing other myths and legends into it. It doesn't matter because there are a few tenets of the Christian faith that require each other to function as truth, and this is one of them. It also reminds us of our main idea this morning. Because God is faithful and Mary was obedient, our God came in the flesh. So speaking about obedience, as we look at our, our final verse this morning in 38, it says, And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Mary understood she understood the assignment. She knew what was being asked of her. She knew full and well what this was probably about to cost her. A woman that was found pregnant and unmarried in, in those times was not looked on very highly. Her reputation was on the line, and she knew that if this happened the way that the angel said it was going to happen, it was going to cost her. This would also have been very costly to Joseph's reputation as her fiancé, so to speak, he would have been seen in, in one of two ways. Either he was living in sin, and that's why they had a child before, the, before they were married, or he was foolishly marrying a sinful and unfaithful woman. Neither of those were going to be good for him. So it's amazing to me as, as we see them in their obedience the sacrifice they made because simply because that is what God asked them to do. So both of them at great cost did what God asked, but it helped usher in the greatest gift humanity has ever received because of their willingness to be obedient. We get to celebrate this this morning. Church, let me ask you this question. Is your reputation more important than your obedience to God? Would you be as willing to trash your reputation to do something that God is asking you to do? You could go a step further and say, is there anything more important than your obedience to God? As I ask you that question, I ask myself that question. And sometimes, some days, my obedience to God doesn't even crack the top ten things I'm focused on that day. But it's sad to think what we might be missing out on during those times when God was going to use us to do something, but we were not obedient. Now, don't get it twisted because God's plans are never thwarted. He's not surprised when we let him down. And I think it's part of the sanctification process as, we, as he grows us, giving us opportunities as uh, Pastor Matt said this morning, he dwells outside space and time. We still have to make the decisions. He sees it all. He knows it all. But I'm telling you, there's times where I know God has given me the opportunity to do something, and I missed it. God's plans are never thwarted, ever. What he wants to come to fruition comes to fruition. And as, as I start to wrap up, I'll call Joe up. I want us to think about this as we continue to celebrate this morning, this afternoon, tonight, 
And just remembering that this is the greatest gift humanity has ever received. This is a gift that unlocks eternity to us with God in heaven. As we remember our our first point this morning. In order for us to receive the gift of our Savior, the virgin birth must be true. This was God's plan from the beginning. Jesus would come from the seed of a woman. Therefore, it had to be a miraculous birth. It had to be something only God can do. Because he's the only one that has the power to create something out of nothing. If it wasn't a miracle and it wasn't God, it would have been man doing it. Praise God that Mary was obedient and she was ready for whatever God had for her. She was obviously living in a way that he could use her for his purpose. Because of that, she got to be part of the greatest event in human history. She didn't miss out. And we could celebrate our main idea this morning by saying this. Because God is faithful and Mary was obedient, our God became flesh. He became flesh so that he could live a sinless life and one day die for us sinners. Let's pray. Father, thank you that this was all your plan from the beginning in order to save us sinners. Praise you that you chose Mary and Joseph to carry out eternity's greatest mission, ushering in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, help us as individuals to be obedient to whatever it is that you're calling us to do in our own lives. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.